Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. Really quick before we get into it, I just want to say thank you for being part of the pod with us. It is so much fun being able to bring these books to you and help you find the next book to read or just hear a different take on a big picture topic or understand an author's writing process. Now, you probably know what's coming, and it's true. It is only with your help and support that we can do this work. So please consider making a contribution at donate.npr.org slash books. Every day we aim to bring you some thought-provoking interviews or hip you to the buzzy new thing on the block in books world. These books not only help keep you informed about all the things going on in the world around you, but they also offer a very welcome respite when the world around us gets to be a little too much. And you can help us keep that going for another year. Again, that's donate.npr.org slash books. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Okay, on to the show. One of my favorite insults I've seen bubble up in the past few years is telling someone to touch grass. It's what you say to someone who's going down a, a weird line of thinking that obviously comes from spending too much time online. And, you know, I'll be real here, have to tell myself to touch grass all the time. I thought about that as I was listening to today's interview. It's with writer David Sachs, whose new book, The Future is Analog, is an argument, or maybe a warning, that we shouldn't be looking to technology to point towards what our possible future will look like. Because, as he says, connections made digitally are inherently weaker than ones made in real life. And when he lays this out to NPR's Aisha Roscoe, he doesn't sound like some sort of naysaying Luddite. He just sounds human. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV isn't just good, it's brilliant. With exceptional television from around the world. Their romances are more charming, their mysteries cozier, their noirs more gripping, and their comedies cleverer. More clever? Oh, you get it. Acorn TV is brilliant stories told brilliantly. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. So, in a nutshell, Acorn TV. Brilliant. Do I hear a kid in the background? <laughs> you got to just say, hey, Reggie. Hi. Okay. Hi. <laughs> and that pretty much sums up working from home since the pandemic began. It's also a perfect way to introduce our next guest, David Sachs. Like millions of us in March of 2020, he was thrown into a digital world full of Zoom, virtual school, and online grocery orders. And though we still had contact with one another, there was a sense that something essential was not right. It was missing, lost. In his new book, David Sachs explores what the digital world takes from us. It's called The Future is Analog. What I'm referring to is the world beyond our screens, the world beyond computers, Mm. the world beyond digital. 50, 60 years ago, I mean, the computer was this thing that was in a room in an office somewhere, and it had a very specific task. Now, the computer is everything, right? It's the, it's the record player. It's the camera. It's the way you socialize. It's the way you do work. It's the way you connect to school. And often that's just the phone in your pocket or the tablet in your kid's hands. And so it's the all-encompassing nature of that. Mm. So what do we miss then when we rely too much on that phone, that tablet, you know, just being connected and plugged in all the time. Well, I I think what we miss is what you're saying there, but in a much deeper sense. It's the connection, right? Connections that are digital are weak connections. Even this conversation, I'm not saying it's weak, but if you and I were in the (laughs) studio... 
strong. <laughs> I'm loving it. Uh, we would have body language, eye contact. Yes. I, I would see the way yes. you would raise your eyebrow when I'm saying something, and I would say, oh, that point is landing with her well. Or, I don't think she gets that, or maybe I should change. Or actually, I think she wants to speak now, so I'm going to shut up. And and I have none of that now. I just have the 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 sound of your voice that's been processed and is beamed through into my headphones. And so what we miss is the entirety of the world that we as animals, as physical creatures on this earth, have evolved to experience, right? With all our senses, with all our emotions. For my entire life, the future was sort of predetermined to be digital and increasingly virtual. And now that we're there and we've had a real taste of it, we had a test drive of it for months or years, you know, if we can't step back and learn from that, then we're just going to keep hurtling on to this direction until, I don't know, we're all sad in the metaverse. Well, you know, I want to talk to you about like what you gained when you unplugged um, and decided to really connect with your surroundings. Um, there's this section of your book on page 224. Are you? Do you have it with you? Are you able to? I do. It? But on the seventh day of quarantine, a Friday, I decided to bake a challah, the traditional Jewish Sabbath bread. It had been years since I'd baked challah, but we were up in the country and the local bread options were wider than the gene pool. I figured it would be a nice thing to do for my kids. And besides, who doesn't love fresh bread? Mix the flour, water, oil, eggs, salt, sugar, and our only pack of yeast. Let the dough settle, then began kneading. Fold, push, spin, flip, thwack. Fold, push, spin, flip, thwack. Fold, push, spin, flip, thwack. So what did that moment mean for you, like that physical thing of making the dough, of baking it, of, uh, of, of observing Shabbat with your family. Like, what did that mean for you? To me, it was a reclamation in a way. Um, and, and I guess a, a regrounding. Because the stress of everything, the, 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 deluge of information that I was trying to gather about this virus and the situation, the the necessity to do work and to try to get my kids on school and 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 just constantly pinging between screens, it had untethered me from myself, my body and the sort of world around me. And so making that challah, baking that bread, it was the same as when I went for my first walk outside. It was the same as when we went for our first hike in the woods. It's in those moments when we allow ourselves to be away from screens and fully in with our bodies and engage with the world that we are reclaiming who we are. So, I mean, a lot of what we're talking about when it comes to digital technology is this idea of that it's innovation and it helps with convenience, making life easier. But as you're talking it seems like, and, and during the pandemic, it seems like a, a lot of people would agree that there are unintended negative consequences. So what is that balance between having the innovation, having the convenience, but not losing your humanity? Yeah, well, I think that is that is the task that we sort of have to set ourselves to find out in the next years and decades. Because there's there's two certainties, Right. One is that digital technology is only going to continue evolving and getting 
um, more sophisticated, more powerful, and having more applications. Um, and the other thing that will consistently remain true is that we are human beings and that the needs we have as physical, analog, human creatures on this planet are going to always remain central. And so the challenge we have isn't accepting the newest innovative technology in the quickest way possible. I think that's that's maybe where we went wrong. That when someone tries to sell us something new and say, this is the new way we're doing things, we actually can tap back into the feeling we had during the years of the pandemic when we only had digital and say, is this going to make my life better? Is this going to serve me as an individual or my company or my school or my community or my city? Is this going to aid that? Is this technology going to actually help that and make it better? Or is it going to get in the way? And I think if we can, each of us, whether it's individually or, you know, a company or an organization or on a bigger scale of community, if we can start asking those questions and learning how to balance the technology and judge whether something new and innovative is actually the right thing or what parts would make sense, then, then, you know, the future is bright. David Sachs is the author of The Future is Analog. Thank you for talking with us. Thank you so much, Aisha. This message comes from NPR sponsor Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Homes.com. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching, so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. This message comes from The New Yorker. What makes a short story work? Explore the minds of writers like Otessa Moshvag and George Saunders on the New Yorker Fiction Podcast to find out. Listen to the New Yorker Fiction Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.